0: Hi, I'm Mary B. Seyfried, and welcome to the Unsuitable Podcast. My first guest, a.k.a. my guinea pig, a.k.a. very, very brave friend of mine, Um, her name is Nana. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview. Um, She's so full of wisdom, and her voice is so melodious and soothing. I could listen to her speak all day. Um, we met through a writer's group at church, and I'm just going to read you her full bio because um, it's, it's really legit and I don't want you to miss any of it. Nanee Kwabru Hammond is the author of Powder Necklace, which Publishers Weekly called a winning debut. Named among 39 of the most promising African writers under 39, her short fiction was included in the anthology Africa 39, New Writing from Africa South of the Sahara. Her work has also appeared in Everyday People, The Color of Life, a Short Story Anthology, African Writing, Los Angeles Review of Books, Sunday Salon, and the short story collection Woman's Work. Forthcoming from Brew Hammond in twenty nineteen are a children's picture book and a short piece in the fiction anthology Accra Noir. Brew Hammond was a 2018 Ake Art and Book Festival Guest Author, a 2018 Hobart Festival of Women Writers Guest Author, a 2017 Aspen Ideas Festival Scholar, a 2016 Hedgebrook Writer-in-Residence, a 2015 Rhode Island Writer-in-Residence, and in both 2015 and 2014, she was shortlisted for a Miles Moreland Writing Scholarship. In April 2015, she was the opening speaker at TEDx Accra. Every month, Brew Hammond co-leads a writing fellowship at Manhattan Center for Faith and Work. Also noted for her personal style, Brew Hammond's fashion sense has been captured by New York Magazine, Essence Magazine, Paper Magazine, and the New York Times, among many other outlets. Recently, she co-founded a made-in-Ghana coat line exit 14 which was featured on vogue.com currently brew hammond is at work on a new novel i'm so excited for y'all to hear this interview so i'm going to stop talking and let nana do the talking now hi nana welcome to the show hi mary b thank you so much for having me um we're just gonna dive right in um could you tell me about a time that you felt unsuitable
1: Yes, um, I have felt unsuitable many times, but um, I think particularly um, two instances come to mind. My um, mom was trying to set me up with someone, and then my aunt was trying to set me up with someone. And in the first instance, um, it was communicated to me, like, oh, you don't have to broadcast your age. And I was like, oh, okay. And then the second time, Age wasn't discussed, but um, I remember thinking to myself I had on a head wrap and I was just like, Thank God I have this head wrap on so she can't see my grey hairs and I just felt like so like if they knew I would be exposed and I wouldn't be suitable for this whatever this setup was about anyway, you know?
0: Yeah. And when you say it was an aunt, that's not like an actual mem it was an actual member. It was an your actual
1: member of my family, my who mom's was younger like, sister.
0: Don't tell don't let them know. How
1: old you are well, she didn't say that she it was more my mom, my mom is much more um much more uh conscious of things like that, yeah, my aunt didn't say it she just I just remember feeling the residual effects of don't say your age, yeah, uh, so
0: yeah, just kind of carried over into the second conversation Yes. yes. Um, so his family kind of played a big role then in um your thoughts on singleness and marriage
1: Absolutely my family is um very um, sprawling and very close and um everyone's in each other's business (laughs) and um you know everyone means well for the most part and you know is asking questions like what's going on when are you getting married what's happening you two you know my sister and I are single and um, we're the eldest of the grandchildren and the cousins so it's like at every wedding you know it comes up and um you know, that is frustrating. Um, But at the same time, it's heartbreaking because I want, I'm like, believe me, I I want this more than you do. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, it's hard to kind of keep answering the same questions over and over and over again. Like, I don't know why I'm single. I really don't. (laughs) I don't know, and I've done everything you said. So um, I'll thank you for your suggestions, but I, I, uh, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, that, that seems to be pretty across the board. A lot of families put that kind of pressure on you. Absolutely. Um, but I, maybe since your family's Ghanaian and there's a, it's a lot more of a communal culture. Um, and so I, I wonder if there's a little bit more of that kind of being up in your business um feeling. I,
1: I I wonder too. I think for sure, um, Ghanaian culture is definitely very um family based. Family is the cornerstone of the culture mm. and life there. And um, you know the way the way things are set up, it's like you're, the way we think of extended family here, it's not the same way there. Like mm-hmm. your aunt and your uncles are considered like your mother and your father, like your other mother and father. You know, your your mom's big sister is your big mom. And, you know, your mom's little sister is your little mom. And your cousins are your brothers and sisters. So... There is this feeling that, you know, whatever is happening with a family member is a reflection on the entire family. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to singleness, um, there is this feeling like, whoa, what's going on in that family that these two, my sister and I are both single, that these two women are single. Mm -hmm. And it's a family crisis, and everyone's got to like come together, huddle together, and figure out how to fix this problem, you know? So there's a sense of, an additional weight, an additional pressure because um, who wants to be a bad reflection on their family? Nobody, right, you right. know? So,
0: yeah. And then, you know, living in New York, it's such a different environment. There are just so many people here who aren't married. And you have, you know, you're a writer, you also have this fashion line. Um, you have a lot to be proud of in your life. Um, so, thank you. you're welcome (laughs) um I just um I don't know and your family's super supportive of all of that I mean your your clothing line is is with your mom and your sister yes yeah so you're and you're still super close with your family Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um even though there's this this pressure on I don't know creating your own family
1: yes 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 I mean it's again you know life is such that, you know, you, we, we all live with trauma and pain, right. and we just keep going. So it's not as if, you know, oh, my goodness, being around my family is this albatross. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, um, in some ways, I I appreciate that, you know, they're concerned and that they're, you know, wanting this for me as much as, well, not as much, but close <laughs> to as much as I want it for myself. Um, but it's, I mean, it is what it is and um they are supportive and they all mean well so i mean you just have to take it for what it is um but yeah i I do have a lot of other things going on in my life and so um i think it's the whole single thing comes in waves there are times when it's you know feels like more of a crisis um than it than it doesn't and you know you just kind of keep going every day is a new day yeah
0: for sure um can you talk a little bit about what it's like to be in business with your family?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's great actually. Well, um, first
0: can you talk a little bit about what your what the, your, business, what the business is? is. Yeah. yeah, give a little bit of background. Yes, okay. And so, then so we'll get into the dynamics. I will. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so
1: um, it's called Exit Fourteen, and um, it is, um. Right now, it's a coat and accessories company um, that it's all made in Ghana. Um, There's a specific fabric that is native to um, Northern Ghana um, that's called Batakari. Mm -hmm. And it's um, a cloth, um, sorry, a cotton that is um, just woven into these beautiful panels um, of fabric and they're all kind of bespoke patterns. You can custom make a pattern, you can custom dye the threads everything you know to make it what you want it to be and what's so cool about this fabric is because the northern part of Ghana has more desert-like climate um, it Um, the the cotton is woven in such a way that it repels wind but it also traps heat so it's the perfect kind of lightweight coat Mm -hmm. Um, so when we kind of fell in love with it for ourselves and we started making coats just because we were like we don't only want to wear things from Ghana in the summertime when we're here Mm -hmm. Um, and the you know people noticed it thought they were really cool and um, we got featured on Vogue.com, and that wow. was amazing. Um, so yeah, so we are slowly expanding, um, but it's eventually um, going to be a lifestyle company for with home goods, um, more accessories, menswear. Amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Um can you talk about how because you're a writer by trade and your sister's a teacher by trade so how did you how did you decide to start this company yeah
1: well like i said we so being from ghana um we in ghana they don't really have um or they didn't for a long time a real like ready to wear market a lot of clothing um you would get was um, made by seamstresses and tailors Mm -hmm. um and so, from very young, and when I went to live in Ghana when I was twelve, um, I was getting clothes made for me. So, from age twelve, I was I understood getting things that are custom to my to to me. And so, I underst- started understanding like this fabric works better for this kind of design, okay. and you know all that kind of stuff. So. Um, I had always been making stuff, my sister and my mom, the same thing. And my grandmother actually used to moonlight as a seamstress. Oh, <laughs> so wow. we've always kind of been as a family really into kind of getting things made. And so, um, again, we we fell in love with the Batakari fabric, started making things for ourselves. And it just kind of evolved. And um, this one day we all wore our coats and we all like couldn't take two steps without people stopping us on the street and being like, where did you get that? Wow. And so, um, we all like, we're on a group WhatsApp <laughs> chat. And so we were like, did anyone stop you? You know, <laughs> D- yes, me too. And yeah. so we just kind of, we were like, we think we have something here. So we started, um, we did like a really small, um, capsule, got a lot of attention and we were like, okay. So we did another, um, capsule and that's when we got featured on Vogue and, um, yeah so things kind of just blew up from there
0: yeah and your operation um if I'm remembering correctly is is relatively small like you have a seamstress that you work with and um, well we
1: we we, so we um we work with um a like a couple of vendors but primarily with um one tailor that we have a really our tailor that we've been working with like on our personal things. Um, But we work with other, um, other vendors as well. Um, And we are keeping it really small. We're just trying to, you know, do something that we can sustain from a financial standpoint. We're not looking for investors at this moment. We're just trying to kind of nail down, like, you know, controlling how this business works. And um, it's a passion project for us. We're all it's something that we all love to do and it's fun and it's something that we're doing on the side. As you mentioned, uh, my, I'm an author and that's my primary focus is yeah. developing my career as a writer and my sister is a teacher and um, my mom runs um, an organization called Miss Tourism Ghana, okay. which um, trains young women um, in um, the culture and to represent and promote um, Ghana's culture, both in Ghana and abroad. So those are all like we're all pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something that we just love because since we were doing it for ourselves, um, we just decided to expand and see. And, and so far, it's been really great. So
0: that's awesome. Um, yeah, you we've talked a little bit about this um, in the past, just how um, I've looked on the website and and it seems like it, it really is this luxury item. Um, can you talk a little bit about your heart for um, craftsmanship and artisan work in in Ghana? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I am always floored by just sort of the level of talent. And genius um, that is 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 there. Um, I mean, when we started really kind of digging into doing this business and just learning more about batakari, I mean, it's just incredible. Like there there are different ways to make it, um, and different regions do it a little bit differently. But um, in short, to to um, apprentices take um, three years to learn how to make batakari. It's wow. a it's a true skill. And um, it's something that's passed down from generation to generation. So it's a big deal. And um, it's something that um, provides, you know, income to families. Like those who know how to do it uh, make a great living. So um, one of the things that um, we were really – sort of thinking about as we were doing this business here for this market in the U.S. um, and abroad um, is to make sure that this is not regarded as like something that's cheap or charity Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that a lot of people feel when it comes to um, things that are from Africa or from the developing world that oh you know I'll buy one and, and, and a hungry child gets one and that's fine I think that there's definitely a place for um, that kind of um, business model and that kind of um, charitable model we mm-hmm. need that and yeah. Ghana is you know definitely still developing there are a lot of people that are in dire straits um, economically um, so I don't want to belittle that but What we really wanted to do with this company was shine a light on the craftspeople that are doing this amazing work. And if this, this to me is on the same level as like, you know, the luxury items that are made in Italy by, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, when they say things like, you know, a thousand crystals were sewn onto this thing. It's like, that's happening like constantly in in Ghana and in West Africa and other parts of Africa. And so I really wanted to shine a light on that and be part of um, you know, an industry, uh, you know, a sea change in the industry where, where it's known for, you know, this, this kind of luxury good, and that can be something that um, can provide more economic um, sustainability to um, the continent.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's more humanizing, a very humanizing approach as well, to see the people who are making these, um, these items, this, this cloth, that's a real skill um, and takes a real eye for design um seeing them as as people and not a mission or a project absolutely um, and, and acknowledging the worth in what they're doing that's on par with what i as uh, you know and what any westerner is doing
1: absolutely, absolutely yeah i mean they're it's incredible the work that they're doing and um and yeah i I just think that it's important that people. Recognize that when they're getting these pieces, these pieces are one of a kind yeah. um, for the most part. I mean, just the, 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 f- when they make, it's very difficult to remake the same weave because yeah. it's all like a couple people sitting down and like, you know, and doing this. So, um, there, you when you're getting a piece, it's, it's art. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Um, and it sounds, like I mean, it's obviously not all sunshine and rainbows all the time because nothing is no, but it seems it seems like it's going well for you being in business with your family because that's not necessarily how it works all the time,
1: yeah, i mean i we we've been doing it now for a little over a year officially, and um, yeah, I think that what where how we have all come into it is that our relationship with each other is more important than this business mm. and um i mean we sat down and had very frank conversation before we started because we know each other's weaknesses we know we know how we know each other and um so we we had some frank conversations about a lot of things and um we kind of all made a p- point to make sure that you know what this business is fun and it's about our relationship is more important than whatever happens with this business. Um, and we invited God into it. We're like, you know, God, you're our fourth partner. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and we take that very seriously. So, you know, in all of the things like, you know, I tend to be the control freak of the group. And so I'm like, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And why aren't we doing this? And my sister's like, let's consult our fourth partner. <laughs> and that's oh a, a great way to that's shut me up balance. and to humble me. Yeah. And, you know, and ditto with, with you know, each other. We're we're all we're all conscious of the fact that you know what this is this is a great thing but we have to make sure that we are all humble and mm. you know deferent
0: yeah and that's i feel like that's almost a luxury of it being a passion project um it kind of it's taken maybe some of the pressure off of it to like you don't have any investors at this point, so there's not necessarily the same pressure to, like, I don't know, make something, that you you owe something to somebody who's put some money in or whatever, it's all, you guys are channeling your money and your passion into this, um, which not a lot of people get to do that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something, which is why we're, we're really sort of um, – Careful to keep it sustainable financially, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, because one of the other things is that we want to be sure that we are paying all the vendors that we work with, you know, a good rate. Not like trying to take advantage mm-hmm. of like you know the for the exchange rate in right. our favor. You know, right. just really trying to be. Um, to be conscious of all those things. So, just keeping it really small. And one of the reasons why I personally am sort of wary of investors is because I don't want anyone coming in and changing that particular piece, which is really important to us. That, you know, we want to make sure that like everyone that's working with us is making good enough, yeah. you know, making a, a living, yeah. you know? So,
0: yeah, which is so do when you get on a, a much larger scale. Absolutely. For sure.
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we were so um, focused on making sure that this, really positioning this as a luxury brand because yeah. it's like we, these are luxury, these are craftspeople that are like you know, putting, the, using their skill and their time and their talent to put these things together. We're putting our skill and talent together in designing the pieces. Mm-hmm. And we just want to make sure that, like, and we want to give people a really good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just want to make sure that, like, <laughs> you know, no one is getting taken advantage of. And yeah. this is all, like, a good thing, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a minute to say emphatically that I want to hear from you. Click on the link to my website and shoot me a message using the contact me page. It's super easy to find. Just in case you don't believe me, it's marybesafer.com backslash contact dash me. If you are a Christian single, please, please let me know if you want to be on the show. If you have someone that you'd like to hear from, I am all ears and I would love to hear your suggestions. Now, let's get back to the interview. Um, We're going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, You you had talked about inviting God into um, your process, into your um, business process. Um, And I'm sure it's the same thing as an author, inviting God into that process. Um, Can you give us a little bit of an overview or as detailed as you want, really, um, (laughs) of your faith journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my faith journey. So when I was, um, 12 years old, my parents sent me to Ghana, um, to secondary school. And, um, I lived with my grandmother and my grandmother is incredibly faithful. She's very, um, you know, very, very faithful. And so living with her, um, you know, we had morning devotion every day, and mm-hmm. it was just a completely different way that than I was, you know, raised um, with my parents. And so um, I became born again at 12, and, you know, I, I did the altar call, and it was this big moment. And um, because of, I mentioned earlier that I'm a bit of a control freak, mm-hmm. and um, I think that my personality has always been about, like, perfectionism, mm-hmm. achievement, et cetera, and I think the irony of Christianity for me and one of the things that has kept me a Christian all these years, I think, is I. it was the one thing that I couldn't achieve. Like, I couldn't finish. Like, I couldn't just tick that off the list. Like, oh, to do, Christianity, done. You know what I mean? And so, um, and so it's been, you know, I think in my earlier years, it was all about trying so hard to be good. And um, over the years, I've just kind of, realize that you can't like you can't that's the point you didn't save yourself you can't save yourself um it's you you are loved and just accept that yeah and um that has been difficult and also freeing at the same time so
0: yeah um in your like college days you had a little bit of a jesus being Jesus in the oh absolutely drawer. absolutely um, yeah
1: I um so I became born again in Ghana when I was 12 and when I returned to the states um I was 15 and I remember because of the way the system the school system works there I had finished high school so I was starting to apply for college and you know all, all, everything I just was so glad to be back in the states and it just felt like my my faith was incongruent with, like, the college experience mm-hmm. and being in America. It felt yeah. like that was, like, a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, when I first went to college, um, I, I requested to be on the wellness corridor where there was no <laughs> drinking and, you know, no drugging, any yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was on the wellness corridor. and um, But I just remember, you know, my first couple days there, like, it was just like clear to me that if I was going to keep this christianity thing up like I was going to be I felt very isolated and I I had already felt really isolated being in Ghana and mm-hmm. going through being the american girl in Ghana and it just I just didn't want to have that again yeah. and then um the school that I went to was um you know very um liberal and um a lot of people um that I encountered didn't believe in God at all. So Mm -hmm. I remember having a conversation with a really good friend of mine and she was like, Oh, you believe in Jesus. That's so cute. (laughs) And you know, it was just considered so ridiculous and to, it was an anti-intellectual thing. And so I, in my desperation to fit in, I was just like, let me just put this Jesus thing away right now and just like live my best college life. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And, um, I, my, uh, you know, a guy I met in college um, who was like the guy, you know, <laughs> I, I remember feeling so proud that like I got him. We got together and we were dating for a while and I'd never really spoken. I mean, he didn't know about my faith because I, you know, really kind of suppressed it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we dated for a, a, a couple years and I and my judgment was so off, you know, mm. and so I just kind of, it sent me like running back to God and, um, I kind of went overboard. <laughs> Another feature of my personality. Yeah. I'm like a oh, pendulum, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, um, you know, that was like sort of the beginning of me kind of going back to God and just kind of having lots of just reexamining my faith and what would it look like as an adult woman. Yeah. And, um, so yeah that's been my faith journey it's been a long road um but it's been it's been okay i've been i've learned a lot and i think most of the big the big lesson has been you can't save yourself mm. and just relax <laughs> just yeah. relax god did it already
0: yeah um how does that lesson kind of play out in your day to day now
1: i mean yeah, I just think it's a. I just have to because my natural switch is to be like, I must do everything and conquer the world by six p.m. tonight. Yeah. Um. I, <laughs> it's 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 something that I'm I'm always. I just know that I have to be aware of that. And anytime I get in that zone or in that mode, I'm like, okay, stop, relax, mm-hmm. take a minute. And there are days when I'm better at doing that than others. There are weeks when I'm better at doing that than others, and. Yeah. You know, anytime I feel myself sliding back into that mode, um, I have to take a step back. I remember in probably in 2013, I had like a really scary moment where I was like overworking, was, mm. you know, working, working, working. I must finish everything today. Yeah. And I passed out and um, oh I, I it was really scary because I'd never, you know, yeah. I'd always been in control yeah. and I fainted and um, was rushed to the emergency room and they were like, well, you know, the the only thing that's wrong with you is that you're dehydrated and you're exhausted. Yeah. And that will be $7,000 and I was like <laughs> $7,000 to be told you need to sleep and drink water. Yeah. And that was when I was just like, "Whoa, okay. Like mm. you're 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 killing yourself, you yeah. know?" And again, I'm reminded of that anytime I find myself like slipping into like my crazy workaholic mode or mm. you know, it's just like remember that it's all good and the thing that I'm realizing too is that um I I formerly thought that like if I didn't do it it wasn't going to get done and da-da-da-da-da. and now I'm seeing things are happening that I never that are so much better than what I would have imagined i yeah. um, happening like even this company I never I've always been into fashion but I never would have imagined that we would have this and it's like yeah God had that in, in his back pocket the whole time.
0: I just got goosebumps when you said that. You know, that's,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. That's, that's the thing. And I think that um, I'm learning to let go of my vision of what my life should be, should have been, mm. and, and letting God dictate. It's very difficult for me, but, um, slowly, like with each little thing, like I get more and more encouraged, like, Oh, okay. Okay. If I, if I just, not that if I hang back and, you know, r- you know, play dead, everything's going to come my way, but being open to the adventure of not knowing, you know, yeah. uh, what's exactly going to happen today or tomorrow, Yeah, you know? And I think some of that ties into the whole singleness thing, because for, I want, I don't want to make it seem as if I don't still worry about it or think about it because I do but um, for a really long time it was like oh my goodness I'm not married yet and now I'm 30, I'm 31, I'm 32 I'm 35, I'm 38, I'm 40 like yeah. what's happening yeah. and um, I still feel that you know, like, what is happening? My birthday is next week. I'm going to be 41. Or actually, my birthday is on Friday. I'm going to be 41. Yay. And I'm like, yeah. But I'm also, because of the way my life has been unfolding, as I've kind of let go, you know, and really just kind of um, let God, yeah. I, um, I feel very hopeful. Mm-hmm. That I feel hopeful. And I feel like I trust that, whatever the circumstance it's gonna be, it's just gonna be so much cooler than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. And so I'm embracing that.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's like, that's such a powerful lesson and such a powerful, I don't, it ministered to me right now Amen.
1: where I am. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> um, Thank you, just, Holy Spirit. <laughs> feeling,
0: feeling like you have to do, like, exactly what you said. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done, um, is such a, an overwhelming way to live your life. And, and it's totally not conscious of God being in the equation. Amen. That's know? so true. Yeah. That, that we're strongest in our insufficiency and in our weakness, um, yeah. because that's where he gets to show up and do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine.
1: Amen. Amen. Um, Now I'm getting tears in my eyes because it's so that's one of my favorite verses exceedingly abundantly far above all we could ever ask or think. And that is something that I'm seeing play out in my life just over the last few years. And I'm just like, okay, okay, I get it. I'm starting to get it. And it's freeing because it's, you know, like you're saying, it's very exhausting to live your life. Like if I don't do it, then it's all going to fall to pieces, you know.
0: Yeah. Mm. Well, I just want to finish with um, this one last question. Um, Will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's good right now?
1: Um, One thing that's hard right now is accepting. Accepting that um, it's not the way, like it being my life is not the way I expected it to be or... Accepting that I am not in control and that I have to wait or I have to, you know, I, I just have to kind of wait. Yeah. Um. But what's I think that's also like something that's good that I'm I'm taking a lot of pressure off of myself yeah. and I'm giving it back to God. And I'm just saying, like, OK, you know what I mean? Like, OK. yeah you you you, I mean okay you you tell me what's what's next and um yeah and it's freeing
0: yeah awesome well thank you so much for being here it's really great chatting with you
1: thank you for having me
0: hearing more about your story and your business and your life and um really encouraging
1: thank you thank you thanks for having this platform to have this kind of
0: conversation Huge thanks to Nana for being my very, very brave guinea pig and very, very first interviewee. Tune in in just two weeks for our next episode. If you're picking up what I'm putting down so far, be a doll and hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. The Unsuitable Podcast is a production of Mary B. Seyfried, LLC. Producers are Mary B. Seyfried and Chad Rawlinson. Basically, I do the hustle, and Chad makes me sound good. He also wrote the theme music for this show. He asked that his official title be "excellent oversight coordinator." All creative content not otherwise credited is the intellectual property of Mary B. Seyfried, LLC.